Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. It's hump day on Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor with you for the next couple of hours here as we make our way through the week. A big night of college hoops last night. Both KU and K-State in action. Very different outcomes and very different implications to them both. In the Big 12 standings, we'll have the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us in just a little bit. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on KU last night. Jad Chambers producing for us. Want to talk about the Chiefs in the short term and what do we think they need to do this offseason? We're getting, you know, now our blinders on toward that draft that's coming up in Kansas City. Uh, so what do the Chiefs need to do before we get to that point? A couple of big decisions for them to make. We'll talk about that throughout the program here as well. Glad to have you with us today on the program. You can always get in touch with us at 869-1240. You can find us on social media. Pretty easy to track down on Twitter and interact quickly. Uh, some of you like to send us emails. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. Glad to be here today. Tommy, good morning. Good morning to you. Glad you're back today. Um, you know, Looking forward to getting into it with college hoops and, uh, of course, continuing on the Chiefs conversation. It's going to be a good day. It is going to be a good day. It's always a good day here on Sports Daily. Uh, let's start with college hoops, Tommy, and let's start with K-State. We'll get to KU in the next segment, and that'll lead us right into Brian Haney. So let's start with the Wildcats. Losers last night, 14-point uh, losers. A little bit of a deceptive um, outcome, I think, Tommy, because it was it was basically tied all the way through, right, until we got that opening stanza of the second half. Oklahoma went on a run, and that was really the difference in the game throughout the game. That's sort of where it stayed, right? Uh, K-State loses another one. K-State has now lost four out of their last five in the Big 12. And I wondered this morning, Tommy, has K-State hit a wall? Do how, you know, how concerned do people need to be? They're obviously going to be a tournament team. And I asked that question because the curious thing about this is they now sit two games back of Kansas, Baylor, and Texas in the Big 12 race down in a uh, fifth, uh, actually a sixth place tie with Oklahoma State. I think the most curious thing about Kansas State this year is this schedule. Yes, they've lost four or five in the Big 12. They've only beaten a hobbled TCU team at home. But Tommy, they went to Iowa State, to Kansas, to Tech, and to Norman. Um, the only... You know, uh, the only home loss in there is a three-point loss to Texas. So, yes, they're one and four in their last five. They've played three of those on the road, though. And so 
What I have a hard time with right now with K-State, who gets now two in a row at home and three of their last five at home, is this strictly a difficult portion of the schedule as far as home versus road, or has K-State hit some sort of wall that needs to concern us? And honestly, as we sit here on February 15th, I don't really know the answer to that question. I think it's a little bit of both. I I think that you uh, have a a tough road schedule in the Big 12 when you're you're going to Lubbock, you're going to Norman, where, yeah, those are two bottom teams in the Big 12, but um, when you're playing... Uh, against teams that are desperate. Paul and I discussed it yesterday. This Oklahoma team uh, has been desperate to try to get in the good graces of the selection committee and build their tournament resume. They were on the bubble, and I don't know if they were on the bubble uh, when they were soundly beaten by Kansas over the weekend. I think that might have taken them off the bubble. They needed a, a quality win against a ranked opponent to get back on there. So there was quite a bit to to play for for the Sooners. So I think that you're going into hostile territory a little bit, uh, which you you did for Kansas State both over the weekend against Texas Tech and then last night against Oklahoma. So that's part of it. But then also part of it, too, is we all know that the Big 12 is a grind and you get to this point in the year and it starts to be physically draining, mentally draining, all of that. And we've seen the Wildcats and Jerome Tang and the squad ride this wave of momentum for a while through the non-con and then really the first half or so of the Big 12 schedule where they looked unbeatable. Uh, like They looked incredible for the first part of the Big 12 schedule. They, I think they've come back down to earth a little bit. They're still exceeding expectations left and right, but I do think it's fair to say they've hit a little bit of a wall. And you know it's been kind of a topic of conversation for the last couple of weeks they're facing adversity for really the first time in the Jerome Tang era. And so, you know, now they're two games back with five to go. That's disappointing to me. Uh, if they were able to stay one game back with five to go, then you would think, okay, the, the remaining five games, that can be advantageous the way the schedule plays out for the Wildcats, where they could still have a, a, a decent look, at least for a share of the Big 12 title. But man, two games back with five to go, that's going to be tough. It is. And, and you know, th- I, I look at this, too, because I don't want to say it would be disappointing if they don't win the Big 12, because I, I really don't believe that, like, with any part of myself. Like, it, they they absolutely have already exceeded any of my expectations. Um, but let's look at it, because in their last five and and I you, you want to say with three teams ahead of them right in the Big 12 that it's going to be too much to overcome but they do still get Baylor so there's one of the teams that you can go down and partially chase you get three of them at home Iowa State Baylor Oklahoma I think if you're if you're Kansas State right now it's reasonable to expect those to be wins right And then you've got to go on the road at Oklahoma State and on the road at West Virginia. So, I I mean, it's not out of the question by any means for them probably to play for a tie now. Like, I think what went out the window last night was would have been the chance to win it outright. I I, I don't know that that's going to happen. But I think there's still a window open for them to potentially come into a tie scenario. But yeah, but, but honestly, they don't they don't control their own destiny though. They need help from other teams. I mean, well, when sure you're two they games do. back with five to go, you can't just control it on your own. 
But when there's five to go and three teams up there, there's a good likelihood that those teams are all going to play each other at least one time. So that one way or another is going to help you. Somebody's going to lose, right, when those teams play each other. So the the reality for me, though, is I don't really care. Like, it would be nice, and I know K-State fans care, but for me it's all about what position can this team put itself in for the tournament. And I think for the tournament, nothing has really changed, right? I think this is a team that is good enough to get to the second weekend. I think we probably need to set that as the expectation. And a lot of that will depend on the matchup and all those things we know. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say Kansas State needs to be a Sweet 16 team or should should be a Sweet 16 team. That would be, you know, if, if, you're, an, if you're an optimistic fan, I think that's what you'd look for. The Big 12 race doesn't mean as much to me as just, you know, staying competitive in the Big 12. I hate seeing them lose four or five in the big 12. And as I want to look at that last night, it wasn't really until I woke up this morning when I was like, you know what? Let me, let me look at something in the schedule. I do think has a lot to do with it. Teams don't win very often on the road in the big 12. And we'll get to KU's big road win in the big 12 in the next segment and, and why that makes it even more impressive. But teams just don't win a lot of road games in this league across the board. They don't. And so you know, if that if you know they played a bunch of these games on the road, like I don't know which one it is. I really don't. We'll find out over the next two. Um, if they come out flat in their next two games, which come at home, then yeah, I, I think it's time at that point for sure to be concerned. But if they come out, they win those games, they look good, then I think we're right in the same place we always have been. Yeah, I've always been a, a big believer that in the Big Twelve Conference in basketball, the the winner of the conference typically. Uh, wins the majority, the vast majority, if not all of their games at home, and they split on the road. And typically that's a formula to success in the Big 12. Uh, and the Wildcats have two of their final five games on the road. Um, that I think that if they want to have any opportunity to sniff a share of the Big 12 title, <laughs> they've got to get at minimum one of them, uh, if not both of them. But I think they need they need to go four and one in their final five games of the season if they want to have a, ch- a chance for a share of the Big 12. And even going four and one, uh, and that's that's worst-case scenario. Like, if they go three and two, it's not going to happen. If they right. go four and one, I think they've got a shot. Five and oh, obviously, would be ideal. But even then, they're going to need a little bit of help from the teams in front of them. But, I, you know, I, it, going back to what I said before, the fact that this conference is such a grind when you get to this time of year, um, I mean, look at the, the two teams that – have beaten Kansas State over the last, what, three days? Texas Tech and Oklahoma, those were teams that, especially Texas Tech, that nobody had thought they were going to really do anything this season. And the fact that the the Red Raiders, I mean, they're 3-10 and 10 in conference play. Uh, they're not winning. They're not going to win the Big 12, right? But they've knocked off two ranked opponents in the last three or four days. Uh, it's a dangerous conference, right? And so you can't take anything for granted. And I I agree with you. Like, it's not the most important thing in the world for Kansas State to win the Big 12. However, I think that after that fast start that we saw early in conference play, it's okay to shift expectations a little bit and win Kansas State. I mean, there was a period of time where they were all alone in first place in the Big 12. It was hard to not set those expectations like, okay, 
they could win the Big 12 title in Jerome Tang's first year. I think you have to kind of come off of that a little bit and adjust it again and say, okay, and if you can play for a share, that's great. Or if you can be in as good a position possible for the tournament, that's going to be ideal. And on that note, to be as good as you can be for the NCAA tournament, they've got to shoot the ball better from the three-point arc. They were, what, 20% in the game last night? That's really gone cold for the Wildcats over the last several games or so. Marquise Noel, who has been kind of a dagger guy from three for a while, he's been awfully cold shooting from long distance. They've got to get that figured out, and that was the deciding factor, I think, in the game last night against Oklahoma. OU uh, shot it a lot better from deep than Kansas State did. In fact, what the, the Sooners were... 47% from three. Grant Sherfield had a good game shooting from deep. And so that was the difference in the game. They've got to figure out how they can shoot the three a little bit better. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know, look, they're not, they were, what were they last night? Four of 20. I mean, you know, that's a problem. It's always a problem on the road. And it's the same things, you know, my concerns are the same as they always have been. And last night, uh, Naquan Tomlin was good, right? Naquan Tomlin shot about 50% from the field, scored 17 points. Uh, Keontae Johnson shot over 50%. It did look like he lost some of his explosiveness as the game went on. But again, like, for me, it's hard when you've when you've had to be road warriors for this stretch, yeah. like, how much of it are we looking at as like leagues, uh, the league adjusting to them and all these things? Or is it just that they played, you know, a bunch of road games in this stretch too? And and again, like, I don't know the answer to that. Now we know that they can go back home. They're, they're likely back home today, right? And they're at home until February 25th. So they'll be home. They'll get their game this weekend. They'll basically be at home all week next week. Time to rest, time to do all those things. They have a nice split from Saturday to Tuesday and then an even nicer split from Tuesday to Saturday before they get back on the road. So, you know, where the schedule wasn't great for them, and and remember, before the game at Texas Tech, we looked at that schedule and and just at the opponents, right, and said, oh, awesome, they get two against Oklahoma, they've got Texas Tech, they've got... But, again, I think I consistently undervalue how difficult it is to win on the road in this league, which is why what Kansas did last night was really, really nice to see. Let's take a break. We'll talk Jayhawks when we come back, 869-1240. We'll have Brian Haney a little later in the hour to talk about the Jayhawks as well, but Tommy and I will do it next. Be right back. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Hey, we have a chance to win a trip to see Nickelback and Brantley Gilbert at a U.S. stop of your choice on their Get Rollin' tour, including round-trip airfare, a two-night hotel stay, a pair of tickets, and a $200 gift card. You can enter right now on our contest page at kfhradio.com. Welcome back into Sports Daily, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor with you on this Wednesday edition. It comes after both KU and K-State play late tips last night. Uh, K-State had a hard time in Norman. KU 
looked as good as KU ever looks in Stillwater, which has been a pesky place for them over the years. Bill Self's alma mater, of course. But last night, KU got one of its more decisive and impressive wins, I thought, of the year. Oklahoma State was the hottest team in the league. KU went in there, scored a ton of points on a team that plays great defense. 11-point win. Uh, It was a Grady Dick game. Dick had 26 points, career high, hit four threes, had another three where he drew a foul contact, so really had five. Um, He was fantastic. Uh, Dewan Harris, Tommy, they win a game and look really good in a game where he doesn't contribute a whole lot scoring, which was nice to see, which we don't see a lot of from this team. But it was a balanced attack. It was nice to see Grady Dick, but more than anything, we just talked about it in the last segment. It is nice anytime in any way that you can find wins on the road in the Big 12. If Grady Dick can play like that consistently, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a lottery pick. And that was a game that we had been waiting on him for a long time to break out. We've seen him in flashes, and, and I, I know that you know he's going to be an NBA guy, and he's only going to be at KU for one year. But I had questioned a little bit one year or two years just one year or two years well, I, don't, I don't know that I, I don't think he, I don't yet. think he's bad I'm pretty sure he's a one and done uh but regardless of that I had questioned about you know just his overall ability to take over a game and some of that is is kind of playing second fiddle to Jalen Wilson somewhat but even in games where Wilson has struggled uh we haven't always seen Grady Dick be able to be that reliable consistent second scoring threat on this team And he was for sure, he wasn't even the second scoring threat last night. He was the first scoring threat last night. And there were a couple of those shots from from three that he made that I thought, all right, that's a shot that NBA scouts are going to love, like love about him going to the next level. Um, He shot the ball a lot, but he was he was effective in doing it efficient uh, when he did. He was 10 of 17 from the floor and four of nine from three finishing with those 26 points. I thought he was terrific. I thought the guys played with intensity. Um, I thought Kevin McCuller uh, stepped up really well. And I kind of I'm thinking that one of the things that we're going to see, you mentioned Dewan Harris not really being an offensive threat. I wonder if from game to game for the Jayhawks, if they have to have Dewan Harris or Kevin McCuller have an effective offensive game for them to be you know, the, best, I don't know. the best version or, of themselves. Or K.J. Adams, right? Because he actually did have a good offensive game, 15 points. The thing about Dewan Harris was the shot volume was there for him. You know, he still took seven shots, um, and he had nine assists, which is critical, right? He had nine assists. Yep. Most games where he has that assist volume, he's going to be fine too. But we had seen over the year the correlation to when he has these low output games just scoring that KU has struggled this year. And and there that hasn't been the case every single game, certainly not in every single win, but it's yeah. been real common in all the losses. So they've, you know, they've had games where he doesn't score where they look good. But this is the this is to me the most, you know, in your face one lately. But yeah, it helps when McCullough and KJ Adams pick up some of that slack. But he took seven shots. Uh, you know, he wasn't hitting him and he, and he backed off a little bit, but he was still good in other ways. I think we're seeing whatever funk was with him, whatever it was, is beginning to fade. And, and that's a good thing. Grady Dick, I thought, was great, not because just the threes, right? We know that's there. Half of his makes were inside the arc, Tommy. And I think the more confident yeah. he gets, the more we'll see all of the other things right, that made him the national player of the year in high school 
It wasn't because he's a great three-point shooter, which he is, one of the best in the country. It's all the other stuff he did. And and I tell people this all the time because not everybody watches Sunrise Christian Basketball, even though they were actually televised just a ton on national television over Grady Dick's uh, final two years there. He The things that he does that people have no idea he's capable of are endless, right? And, you know, it's very different than... Early in his KU career, right, we all just – we knew he was a great shooter and he could get his look from three basically over any defender. That's that's an appeal for the NBA. That's not the only thing, though. Wait till you see all the other stuff, right? Wait till you see some of the athleticism. Wait till you see the things we saw at Sunrise Christian that made us just be like, whoa. And that's the kind of stuff I think we're starting to see out of him now. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, he – you know – Turning into a complete player is the most important thing. But my point is that there were a couple of those corner threes that were the hierarchy oh, ones. Yeah. Nothing but net that I'm like, oh my God, that's an NBA three. That's incredible. It makes him indefendable out there, yeah. but he's so much more than that. And if he can get both things rolling, he will become a consistent second or first scoring option with Jalen Wilson. And that's what this team needs. Uh, all right. We're going to talk more Jayhawks, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Brian Haney joins us. The morning after a win, we'll have Jad give him a call. We'll have that next for you on Sports Daily. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's that time. Sports Daily getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, welcome in, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor on Sports Daily, and we welcome in Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, fresh off a trip to Stillwater. Always hostile down there, Brian. But KU, all things considered, when we know how well Oklahoma State was playing, when we know the history down there, that was about as good a win as we've seen from the Jayhawks all year. Yeah, that was pretty special, no doubt. And to see the way that uh, other players continue to step up, you know, Three games ago, we were talking about a team that went up to Ames. Jalen Wilson scored 26, and the rest of the starters combined for 18. And we're thinking, man, this could be an early exit in March unless we get these other guys going. And ever since then, three big boy wins. You know, you knock off a top five Texas team at home, two road wins in Norman and in Stillwater. And if you think the Norman win was an easy one, just look at what happened to K-State last night. So, to see the way the supporting cast has answered the call, guys like Ernest Uday starting to emerge. The Juan Harris has looked more aggressive of late. And clearly Grady Dick last night, about as special as we've seen him with a career-high 26. That gives you a lot of hope that this team can make a deep run. And you got people like Jay Wright on the CBS call on Saturday talking about how this looks like a, a repeat national title-type team. It's amazing how quickly the narrative can change one game to the next. You try not to uh, overreact to anything, but this is stringing three really solid performances together in a row now. And You love how this team seems to be playing its best ball as we head down the stretch, which is every team's aim and goal this time of year. You just hope it's sustainable for KU. Well, you know, Brian, we've known the – uh, NBA potential of Grady Dick, right? And that's something that's been discussed at length for a long time. But to your point, really showed it uh, and, and showed out last night against Oklahoma State. A couple of those threes that he had uh, were definitely NBA caliber threes. Talk a little bit about uh, what you saw from him in person last night and, and how impressed you were by him. Well, I mean, obviously it was as big a takeover as anybody had on the game last night. Certainly to start the game, Bryce Thompson, the former Jayhawk, looked amazing. And Caleb Boone was terrific throughout. He had a career-high 27. But, uh, you know, Grady hit all the big shots when Kansas made its run late in the first half and early in the second to seize control of the game. And it was great to see him overcome some face guarding and all the defensive attention he continues to receive game in and game out. If you look at it, there have been some games where he can kind of fade, uh, you know, to the to the sideline, so to speak, in terms of playing prominent role, and that's the opposition keying on him. And you know, Bill Self talked about the need for him to move without the ball and get in position because they need him to get at least 12 shots up per game. It was nice that we won on Saturday, and we didn't need him to be huge, but five shot attempts is not going to cut it, uh, you know, especially on a day when he didn't attempt a single three. So to see him come back last night and get up 17 shots, to see him hit four threes after not attempting a single one, that's the Grady Dick that we would love to see. You don't want him to force it necessarily. And there were a couple of times early in the game where maybe he was doing that. And we're on the road. We get to sit right behind Coach Self. And so you can see his reaction, his body language. You can hear what he says, you know, to every player 
after a shot that might have been clipped off a little early or, or something that was forced. But I really felt like after that, he settled in. And by and large this season, he's done a great job of letting the game come to him. And so hopefully last night, though it is the high water mark, hopefully it's more indicative, at least in terms of the shots put up, of what we'll see going forward. Not that it'll be 17 every night, not that it'll even be 15 or higher, but that Kansas will look to establish him, that he'll be moving without the ball to, to get in prime position as often as he can, and that he'll continue to fire confidently. Because when he's shooting like that, uh, it takes a lot of pressure off Jalen Wilson, who, he, let's call it like it is. Jalen was in foul trouble last night, was only on the floor for, what, 26, 27 minutes, and we had to have an effort like that at a Grady Dick. And so you hope there's a lot more nights like that and a lot fewer nights like the you know, two of eight or, you know, three of nine type nights that we've seen where sometimes Jalen's having his night and Grady can kind of become more of a periphery player. You'd love to have both cooking with gas more nights than not because when that's the case, this does indeed look like a national title repeat type team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always been on the table. We know the ceiling of this team is good enough. But I wonder, Brian, we know the ceiling is good enough. How do you raise the floor, right? How does this team win games when it's not reaching its peak offensively, at least like it did last night? I suspect that's defense would raise the floor, right? And and does this team have the DNA to raise that floor to a level that even when they're not playing at their best offensively, they can find ways to win games against good teams. Absolutely. And, and maybe the, the biggest floor raiser, to, to use your term there, would be a guy who's 6'11 with a 7'4 wingspan. He could reach down to raise that floor, couldn't he? Ernest Duday. You know, and last night there was foul trouble that limited his effect on the game. But when he was out there, how many times did he get his hands on the ball? Tips, deflections, steals, not a ton of blocks last night. But, man, he is everywhere. And, and sometimes he didn't corral the deflections all the way. There was one where he had a chance at a breakaway down the sideline. And, you know, those, those go-go gadget arms reach out with that 7-4 wingspan. And, and he's getting to passes that the opposition didn't even realize he was in position to get to. And so I think his imprint on this Kansas team the last couple of weeks is a game-changer dramatically. Kevin McCuller, if he can avoid the ankle injuries, and we really hope that he gets enough treatment uh, between now and, and Saturday that he's good to go for the Baylor game. You know, we see what a game changer he is just in being a great one-on-one defender, but also a help side defender. It covers the sins of a lot of his teammates. So that's something Bill Self's talked about from time to time. And obviously, you know, when you have a guy like Dewan Harris, who Greg Gurley calls the fly in the ointment up front with his quick hands, it just makes you a, a very – imposing defensive team at all three levels, perimeter, mid-range, and back line. And having a guy like Ernest helps you on that back line because, you know, KJ is getting better as a defender, but you saw it last night in the first half. Caleb Boone was kind of having his way with him because he's undersized at that spot and uh, doing all he can to wall up on him. But you, you need a rim protector and a back line enforcer, and that's where you hope that, Ernest can play without fouling because he makes Kansas look like a completely different team when he's in and he's on, like we saw on Saturday and like we saw for stretches last night before foul trouble took it away. Brian, you mentioned a few weeks ago on the show that uh, the the exchange, the conversation 
during Hawk Talk with Bill Self, with him and Joe Yesifu, and having Yesifu, um, you know, elevate his game. And I really feel like we've seen that over the last week or two. He's he got extended minutes last night against Oklahoma State, finished with eight points. What have you seen from Yesifu and what he's been able to do recently off the bench for Kansas? Well, there's obviously been a pretty steady uptick ever since that conversation. He's had two eight-point games and one 14-point game. Of course, he was scoreless in Norman 0 for 4. And so the thing with Joe, it's, it's kind of outhouse to penthouse and then back again with him. Last night he hit a huge three right when we had to have it. Corner pocket, three ball going down. And then 30 seconds later, there's a breakaway layup and here ball the layup. And so I think sometimes – he can get going so fast, he's almost too fast for his own good. But he certainly has, has been more aggressive, shown more self-confidence. We talk about players sometimes fading to the periphery when it's night. He's done that for a year and a half. And lately, really ever since that conversation that you're talking about, he's flipped the switch confidence-wise where he's hunting now. And it's not in a selfish way. It's a I have to be in attack mode to be at my best because it is my athleticism, my burst, and my explosiveness that makes me elite. And so if I'm down throttling into a lower gear, I'm not going to have a chance to be as good as I can be. Now, sometimes, as I said, he'll get a little too revved up, he'll clip off too quick of a shot, or he'll accelerate so fast that he blows the layup. And so that's where you got to find a way to play at high speed. We may have a connection issue there with up. Brian. There we go. We got you, Brian. We had, we lost you there for just a second. All right. I'm actually just north of Wichita. We we stopped last night uh, and stayed in your lovely city. And uh, it's about one in the morning when we got in. So sorry, I'm on the highway today. But I think you got me That's back okay. now. But the the, pa- yeah. the passive version of Joe, you know, has 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 gone away. Now you just want to see him play more efficiently at that high aggressive speed. Because if that's the case, you really do have a potent weapon in Yesifu. Brian, I want to talk about the schedule and then the Big 12 just a little bit. Um, left on the schedule are uh, plenty of winnable games, obviously. You get three of the next five at home. That's always a good place to start. But as KU is in a tie now at the top of the Big 12 with both Baylor and Texas and several teams on their heels – you get Baylor at home, Texas on the road. W- what do you think here as we march down the stretch? Is it going to take four and one beating both of those teams? What are we looking at here as far as a Big 12 title? Um, you know, I-, I think there's very much a chance they could get it by themselves, That you know, sharing at least. But how are we looking at this final five-game stretch? Well, if you go back to our conversations in mid-January and rewind the tape, I told you all along 13-5 and five would probably win it outright. And that the 12-6 and six was the three-way tie number. Of course, Ken Palm was talking about a four-way tie at 11-7. and seven. I suppose there's still some possibility to that. But what Texas losing in Lubbock on Monday night did was it, it makes up for KU's stubbed toe in Ames, gets you back in that three-way tie right now, and if you look at the remaining schedules, Baylor probably has the toughest remaining schedule. Kansas has a clear path that's very realistic to 12 and 6. But 13 and 5, and, and even when you lost the TCU at home, we said the path to 13 and 5 is win all the rest of your home games, finish at 8 and 1 in Allen Fieldhouse, and then 
find a way to go five and four on the road. If you do that, you're at 13 and five, you still win it outright. That's still the most realistic path. But in order to do that, you have to beat Baylor on Saturday with ESPN College Game Day in the house. You have to avenge that loss in Waco, where, if you'll recall, KU went on the big run to come back and take a one-point lead. And then there was a, a huge swing in some calls, one of which led to a technical on Bill Self. And, and we lost the game in about a two-minute stretch where an 8-0 run happened and everything was piling up against us. Point is, you were right there in that one. Remember that, channel that, avenge that, because only twice in 20 years under Bill Self has anybody swept Kansas in a Big 12 home-and-home, and, home, and uh, we don't want to see a third time with Baylor. If you win this one, though, you're, you're now putting yourself in a position where all you have to do to get to 12-6 and six is beat West Virginia and Texas Tech at home where Bob Huggins has never won in Allen Fieldhouse and Tech has only won once and Kansas hasn't lost at home on a senior day in four decades. That's how big Saturday's game is in just getting to that 12-6 and six projection. Then if you win either of those two really tough remaining road games at TCU and in Austin, then 13-5 and five suddenly is, is attainable and it's, it's yours. And so that's why Texas losing – in Lubbock was such a huge swing game on Monday because if you look at Texas's remaining four games after they take on Oklahoma Saturday, their last four are all top 20 teams. They have as tough of a final four games as anybody. Baylor's final five are as tough as anybody. And I think Kansas is, is, is pretty competitive too, obviously, but Saturday is such a huge swing game. You can get it. I think a share of a, a, a 17th Big 12 title in 20 years of Bill Self almost feels like a certainty just based on who has to play each other down the stretch. But uh, if you get Saturday and Monday, then, then you're thinking Big 12 outright suddenly is, is very much yours because it, it, the math just doesn't add up for these other teams because they all have to play each other. So that's how big the next two games are for Kansas. Uh, and and the last thing from from us here, Brian, I'm curious for your take on this too. As we know, the league is so good, and I would go out on a limb and suspect that you would say KU's the best team in the league. I think I agree with that. Who's the next best? Like, who's the second best team in this league? If you assume that KU is the best, and I, and maybe not everybody does even that, but you know, how does that power ranking end after KU for you? Yeah. A great question, Jacob, and it's it's a question that maybe even changes tonight because it's my expectation that Mike Miles Jr., the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, who's been out for three weeks, and Eddie Lampkin, who's been out as well, are both going to be back tonight for TCU. So guess what, Kansas fans? Unless they get hurt again, you're going to have to face them on Monday, and half the league just didn't have to face them for the better part of a month. TCU is, in my mind, the most athletic team uh, Texas is the most experienced team. I think after Kansas, which has the Hall of Fame head coach, which is the tiebreaker on all fronts, and, and maybe the best individual player and the, and the best projected draft pick in Grady Dick, individual player being Jalen Wilson, best draft pick Grady Dick. Kansas is number one, yes, but TCU at full strength might have been number two, but they've, they've obviously gone into a bit of a tailspin being shorthanded. They shoulda, coulda, woulda beat Baylor on Saturday at home shorthanded. And that win is why Baylor right now is in a three-way tie for first, and many think Baylor is the hottest team in the conference. Well, Baylor hasn't had to play Kansas now for a month, and uh, obviously 
you know, they, they got to take on TCU shorthanded. So we'll see what it looks like for the Bears in a much tougher final five games. But, uh, you know, Baylor with their three guards hitting, it kind of looks like the three guards that they had on their national title run when you've got the best collection of guard talent arguably in the country. And now they start to get healthier in the post with Jonathan Chachamachua coming back along with Flo Thamba. So they're right there too. But uh, it's one of those three. It's not Kansas State. We've seen that. They dropped four or five. Maybe TCU, again, they played them shorthanded. I don't think it's Iowa State. I just think athletically they don't match up. So it's one of those three, and it sounds like a hedge on your question, but you really can't fully assess TCU when they've been without two of their best five players, including the preseason league player of the year. Who they are in the final five games will be different than who they were in the previous six. And so that's why I'm really intrigued to see if both those guys do indeed come back tonight and how they look in their return, because obviously Kansas has them coming up on Big Monday, and that's going to be an absolute battle as they look to sweep Kansas in the home-and-home, just as Baylor is looking to do as well. All right, Brian Haney, we appreciate it. Late tip last night and some driving today. I suspect that means a a nap is in order when you get into Lawrence. That's right, man. I got to get in for a a meeting here a little bit, but maybe late afternoon I'll settle into my nice Mattress Hub mattress for my buddy Ryan Beatty at the Mattress Hub. They've got locations all over the Midwest, but it started right there in Wichita with one of Wichita's finest as the entrepreneur got it going. Best brands, best selection, tremendous customer service as well. Check them out today at the Mattress Hub. Guys, thanks so much for having me, and uh, yeah, I hope Wichita folks will drive over for ESPN College Game Day on Saturday. It's the 11th time we've hosted it. How about this year where KU football and KU basketball get to make Lawrence, Kansas, the epicenter of the college sports universe for a couple of Saturdays. That's pretty cool. And, oh, yeah, by the way, a Chiefs Super Bowl parade in between. It's been a great year to be a sports fan in this part of the country. Yeah, you might want to drive around the Kansas City area on your way up. That parade starts in about two hours. Brian, we appreciate it. Drive safe, and we'll talk again next week. See you, fellas. Thanks so much. There goes Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Thoughts on last night's late-night win. I'm glad you brought up that parade. That's a 12 o'clock start. They're already lining up there in Kansas City. Um, Good luck to everybody that's either up there, headed up there, whatever. Those things are crazy to me. Uh, Tommy, we still got a lot to come up here in the show. So coming up at the top of the next hour, we have Kevin Saul, Wichita State's athletic director, um, for a biweekly visit. We missed him. So it's been a while since we talked to Kevin Saul. There's a lot to talk about with Kevin Saul. As, you know, things you know get a little more uncomfortable. Wichita State did get the win in double overtime on Super Bowl Sunday uh, in a game that sort of snuck through because of, obviously, it being on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but a lot to get through with Saul as they get ready for a big game at Temple, a, a, another show-me-something opportunity. You know, their next four, Tommy, at Temple, Memphis at home, at Tulane, at Houston. You want to talk about either an opportunity to do something special or an opportunity to things spiral out of control. That's what Wichita State faces on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at games upcoming that every single one of them are are kind of prove-it games, right? You know, games for the, the future of the program. Um, a, a lot at stake with every single one of them. So, I mean, we could we could be talking about the, the grit that they showed, the guts they showed, or we could be talking about how things, like you said, you know, kind of spiraled out of control. 
We'll have that conversation with Kevin Saul. Plenty to talk about Wichita State athletics across the board. Wichita State softball is underway. We're, uh, you know, we're coming down the home stretch of getting some Wichita State baseball. They open on Friday on the road, so a lot to get through. We'll have that conversation with Wichita State's athletic director when Sports Daily returns. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.